Hello, Keller ISD. I'm Bryce Neiman. And I'm Nicole McCullum with Keller ISD Communications. On this episode of Keller ISD in the interim, we get to sit down with a very special guest. Her career in public education spans 24 years, and while she's no stranger to Keller ISD, Mm -hmm. she is new to this particular role, and we're excited to have her. Nicole, it's the new year, and we are back. We are no longer in between superintendents, but we are still in between podcasts. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, in the interim lives. All right. For, for now. Well, as it should, regardless of its name, we love highlighting people in our district. Plus, we have a fan base now, Bryce. All three or four people. It's great. We ha- Oh, there's more than that. We have to give the people what the people exactly. want. Well, lucky for all of our fans out there, we are kicking off 2024 <laughs> with a pretty exciting episode. Uh, I recently got to sit down with our new superintendent, Dr. Tracy Johnson. The first female superintendent in Keller ISD's 112-year history, to be exact. Indeed. We talk a little bit about that. Now, we just wanted to give her a chance to really introduce herself to everybody. Mm-hmm. She's kind of been thrown into things so quickly here that she really hasn't had the opportunity to say, hey, <laughs> this is me. This is what I'm all about. Well, we're very excited the board chose an internal candidate. She's been here with us since 2019. And you're right. She has definitely not had a lot of time to get all settled mm-hmm. in. Yeah, I was excited to give her the opportunity just to share her story a little bit more. And, you know, there's been so much uh, change and, and talk about right. budget deficit over the, the past few weeks that it was great just to hear her perspective on things and uh, her outlook for Keller ISD and in the years to come. That's awesome. We're looking forward to it. And with that, here's Bryce with Keller ISD Superintendent, Dr. Tracy Johnson. Dr. Johnson, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. It's, Living the dream. Yeah, not to not to timestamp this too much, but we're a month into your tenure as superintendent. Does it seem like more than a month? Yeah, <laughs> it does actually. <laughs> That's a little, a little shocking when you say it that way. There was a little build up to to getting here, and <laughs> and you've been with the district for a while. It's just a, a seamless transition, right? From yeah. from HR to to being superintendent. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sitting down and talking to us a little bit. I just, we wanted to give people an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and uh, what you're all about. And uh, I thought we'd start just talking about a little bit about how you got here. So um, how did you, how does one become a superintendent? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Still asking myself that question. Um. <laughs> where, where did, where, I guess, where did your career start um, in public education? Yeah. So I was late actually to education. You know, most people, come in the traditional way and, you know, when they graduate from college in their 20s, Mm -hmm. they become an educator. That's not my story. My first job was actually, I was a flight attendant with American Airlines and I did that for many, many years. And I think that was really just set me on just this trajectory to be in a service industry. Mm -hmm. And truly, I feel like that's the work that we do is just serving others. So uh, I started Gosh, in a third grade classroom. So I am an I am an elementary person. I know that's shocking, um, and thought that that is what I would just always do is teach elementary at Lakeview Elementary in Trophy Club, Texas, and loved it. And then went back and got my master's degree and started started working with gifted and talented students. And I thought this is it. It's all I ever want to do. Love these kids. Then started really kind of working my way up through uh, campus administration and ended up here in Keller ISD the first time. Yeah. So that was part one. Lucky us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And <laughs> so 
I was a, a coordinator of advanced academics. So, you know, really kind of led the district in all things GT, college board, you know, advanced academics. And then I had a friend of mine as I was working through my doctoral work, she uh, said, hey, come up here to Denton and do human resources. And I thought, oh, that is just not me. And um, I did it. And I, I just thought, this is it. This is how I'm going to leave education is in human resources, because truly it was me. Again, it's about taking care of people. Mm-hmm. And then had the opportunity to come back to Keller, got a call from Dr. Westfall. He said, I've got an HR job. And I thought, oh, no, I'm so happy where I'm at, but really felt led to step back into um, this district in human resources. And now I'm superintendent. And um, it's been a 24-year incredible journey. And had you asked me that 24 years ago, I would have never said this was going to be my landing spot. So just goes to show you, you know, you think you know, but you really don't. Right. What was that transition like from the classroom initially? I mean, you're talking about how you just you thought the classroom was where you're going to be. Yeah. Uh, what kind of led you to make that transition to like an administrative role? I think just wanting to serve more, hmm. you know, serve more kids. So, you know, in the classroom, you've got your, you know, your 24, 25 students. Yeah. And then you start expanding that and really the the students that are under your purview, so to speak, just continues to grow and grow and grow. And now it's what, like thirty four thousand? Yeah, exactly. It's the most students you can That's uh, right. It's serve, the most. Yeah, from the superintendent perspective there. Uh so was it ever something you wanted to do in your past, become a superintendent eventually? Was that ever on your radar at all? You know, I mean, I think at some point it was just because as I started my doctoral work, I mean, it was in ed leadership with mm. a focus on the superintendency. I guess I never thought I was going to be lucky enough mm. to get a superintendency, especially one like Keller ISD. Yeah. You know, um, over the last couple of years, we've really seen public education, my opinion, has really just come under fire. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some great leaders leave the profession that are in the superintendency and just a lot of controversy. And, you know, I guess when, when Dr. You know, Westfall announced his retirement and, you know, I started having people say, Hey, would you be interested in that job? And I thought, well, why not me? Yeah. And, you know, I felt like I can step into this. And, and I can lead because the relationships were already developed. I love this district so much. And it just became a very personal thing for me. So, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, yeah, at some point I thought, but I just keep pinching myself. I can't believe that this is actually where I'm at serving in this role. That's awesome. What was it about Keller ISD that A, made you want to come back here in the first place mm-hmm. after previously working here, but then... I guess, kind of pushed you over the edge to decide that you wanted to go for the, the superintendent role? I think it's all about the people here. Hmm. And that's, I think, what really sets our district apart is it's about relationships. And, you know, one thing I like to say is we take our work serious, but we don't take ourselves that serious. <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> it's, we just, I've never worked in a district where people just show up with such heart 
and to serve kids every day. And like even at the central office level, that's all we talk about our kids. I think I think there's a misconception there that when you get to a certain level, your focus becomes on something different. Mm-hmm. But that's not true in this district. Mm-hmm. Everyone that I work with on a daily basis, it is about how are we taking care of our students and our community members and our parents. And it's just such a mission-related work in this district. And that's what brought me back. And that's what keeps me here. This will be my final stop in education. Um, and and I just, I'm, I'm excited about that. And it, it is all about the people, though. After 10 or 20 years here, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, a, a lot was made uh, when you were hired or named the finalist, uh, loan finalist, uh, about you being the first female superintendent in the district's history. Does that have any meaning for or significance to you? You know, I think when it became real about that mm-hmm. was when I received an email from one of our high school students. Mm-hmm. She's a female. And she said, I'm so proud of you, and I thank you for saying yes to this job because you've created a path for the rest of us. And I I think that in itself, that I can serve as a a mentor or a model that anybody can sit in this this role. You just, you you have to work hard. Yeah. (laughs) But... um, yeah, it. So I, I guess that was really when it just kind of struck me as, oh yeah, this is this is pretty cool. It's a, big deal. It's a little yeah. historic here, yeah. you know. I don't, I don't think that much of myself in that, you know, <laughs> space. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. What are some of the things you're hoping to bring to the role as superintendent, um, moving from HR and from your education background to being the head honcho? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think people who know me, and I think you could ask anyone, I. I am, what you see is what you get. So that authenticity with me is just really important. I don't know how to be somebody else. You know, with that comes some, you're sometimes not sure what's going to come out of my mouth at any given point. <laughs> Always positive though. Always yeah. positive. Yeah. Yes. I could attest to that. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I just, I wear, I wear my feelings on, on my sleeve. And when you're in my space, you're always going to know how, how much I, cherish you and and adore the work that that we're doing in this in this work and you know you're also also going to know what's on my mind so um if we need to fix something i'll say we ought to fix this so that sugar coating pieces is, is not always there yeah. but um and i think just someone with that practical experience and being in different roles mm-hmm. and understanding the heart of what we do is you know public schools develop communities. And so the work that we're doing here is the most important work, and I believe that with all my heart. I used to tell our brand new teachers, you are teaching every profession. They're all coming through you. Mm -hmm. And so that's a profound responsibility. And we have to teach our students that when they leave here, when they graduate, Man, they they need to be critical thinkers. They need to be creative. They need to have all those soft skills. And we have to do that very quickly. Mm-hmm. This this time that we have students goes by very fast. And so we have to teach them how to be good citizens, how to have good ethics and a great character, just those things that they're going to need when when they step into that that real world. And 
I don't know. I think that's neat that we get to do that. We break generational poverty. Mm-hmm. We break cycles. We give students, it's like equal footing mm-hmm. with the work that we do in public ed. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I've always said it's just really foundational to our society, yeah. you know, um, and one of the reasons I never thought I could teach because <laughs> um, the, the responsibility our teachers have to, you know, to raise the next generation of Americans, of Texans, of, of Kellerites. Kellerites? You would say? I guess Kellerites. so. What would you call them? Keller? I think it is Kellerites. Kellerites. I like Kellerites. Um, but yeah, it's just such a big responsibility. And um, we have some amazing teachers um, doing that really hard work for us. So. Yeah, and our students are watching us every day. Every day. (laughs) Everything that comes out of our mouth, every action, every facial expression, (laughs) you know, they're watching. We're setting the example. Well, so it's your your, your first superintendent role Mm -hmm. uh, ever. Uh, You're a month in, and uh, you kind of got thrown into the fire a bit. I think that's a a safe way to put it. Um, Of course, you've been part of these talks for a while now. Uh, I think it's been well publicized, and we've we've shared with our community quite a bit how we're um, facing a $27 million budget deficit going into next school year. And uh, from a leadership role and from a board's role as well, we're really trying to attack this thing as early as possible, um, knowing that what about 80% of our budget is people. Uh, and so when you face a $27 million budget deficit, you can't do that without you know touching people or and positions and jobs and whatnot. Um, and so to talk a little bit about just how we got here, um, how we got to a $27 million budget deficit and kind of the process we've gone through to address it. Yeah. So I think this is really where my, I call them the human resource chops comes in, is because, you know, this is the world that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do we get here? School hasn't looked the same since COVID. And uh, we're still receiving funds from the state from 2019. It's crazy. And I I think people just need to let that kind of sink in a little bit. We're still operating on dollars from 2019, and educating students looks completely different. Mm -hmm. And it is post-pandemic. And while we are returning to some level of normalcy, you know, the needs of our students are far greater than what they were back back in the Mm -hmm. day, you know, back four years ago, five years ago. And so we're not the only district. You know, I meet with with area superintendents and CFOs. Everybody in our area is facing this. We have we made a very intentional decision to get out here early. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because we need to let our folks know if your job is going to look different, we want to make sure you have a runway to be able to secure something yeah. else down the road. And so You know, it's just been a combination of a lot of things, but I'll just say the state has not done their job. You know, they've had, they had one general session and four special sessions to get this right. Mm -hmm. And the thing that people need to understand is they're sitting on a surplus of over 40 billion with a B, billion billion dollars. Their coffers are so lined and thick, they could solve the problem today. But they don't. They're messing around down there. And here we are, districts all across the state of Texas are having to find uh, these efficiencies within their budget. And we've talked about it before. I mean, the $40 billion um, budget surplus, and a lot of that comes from 
our, our, our residents' tax dollars. I mean, they're paying more in taxes with property values going up. Uh, that money doesn't come to the district. Uh, the, the state, you know, caps what we get. Um, and that's kind of how they've helped build up that, that giant surplus. Yeah. So there's this really big misunderstanding that taxpayers, and I understand school budget is confusing. Very confusing, yeah. And Intentionally they, so, maybe. Who exactly. Yeah. And they think, well, I pay this much in taxes. And so that's the amount that goes to the schools. Yeah. That is not true. Right. There's the compression. And the more people pay taxes, the less the state gives us. Mm-hmm. It's a very finite amount of money. And so, and then some of it goes to recapture. And I'm at the state now. They they don't even have any accountability for the recapture. They don't even know we've gotten all this money in. Wait, where is it supposed to go? And so it's just, it's criminal. It really is. So I've heard you say, and I think it's a great point, is you know we've waited for years kind of expecting the legislature to do something, to kind of step up and do what they're constitutionally required to do. Um, but at this point, we know the cavalry's not coming. We know mm-hmm. there's not, they're not going to give us a windfall of money anytime soon, at least. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of the approach from leadership and how we've approached you know, where we're cutting funds, you know, what positions we're moving around. Um, I, th- I think some people think we just kind of pick out a bucket or we say, oh, here's a group we want to target. It's not like that. A lot of thought uh, went into these decisions. Yeah. So it is. People do think we just like, OK, who do we not like? Those are the ones right. that were that that was not it at all. Um, we love all employees, <laughs> all of our staff, our kids. So we really have been working through these efficiencies throughout the fall. We knew this was coming. We knew that we had to create some financial solvency for the district. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had to do that work on our own because the state is not coming to our aid. Mm -hmm. And so we started really looking at data. You know, all good decisions should be grounded in data. So what makes sense? What can we keep? Um, we knew that a focus was we're not eliminating any programs for students. So, and I even had a parent say this to me the other day. He was offering encouragement. He said, you know, listen, I dropped my kid off at school today. He got out, went to school. School feels the same. It's going to be the same next year. Good job. And it it was good to hear that Mm -hmm. because we don't need our students to fill this. And so uh, not eliminating any programs. We knew that the... When we started looking at positions, um, how could we maybe offer something a little differently and be able to recoup some FTEs or people, Mm -hmm. so to speak? So we went to, like, I'll speak to our librarians. Mm -hmm. Um, We we actually have been doing a like a shared staffing model, honestly, because we couldn't find people to fill the positions, the vacancies. Mm -hmm. So. we decided that you know we could do a shared staffing model with our our librarians, it, similar to how we do gifted and talented, mm-hmm. some of our ESL. We have that model in other areas of of our you know student learning. Mm-hmm. You know when we look at um, increasing class sizes, doesn't mean class sizes are going to be that. Right. It just means how it's how we staff. Yeah. And so it doesn't, in practicality, doesn't mean if you're staffing a classroom, 24 students to one teacher, all classes are going to have 24. Right. No. That's how it works. Yeah. Probably going to have 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other big adjustments that we made was uh, KCAR, Keller Collegiate Academy. Um, that building 
we did an audit on it um, for mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. It was going to cost $10 million to keep that building going. It doesn't make sense. So how can we move that to another building and house it a school within a school, Mm -hmm. but still create that intimate small environment that those students need? Um, Also looking at course offerings. You know, you may offer five versions of really the same thing. Okay, how can we pare that down? And, um, you know, putting some caps on some things. You know, we call them singletons, course offerings. If you've only got four kids that have signed up for it, I'm sorry, it doesn't make sense for us to do that anymore. So those are just some of the things. But it has come from a lot of creative thought, um, you know, grounded in, in data, having conversations with people that are doing the jobs and with building administrators. So this was not made by one person, two person, a table of 10. This has truly been a work of collaboration. That's awesome. That's great. I love what you said about, you know, parents, students won't be impacted. They won't feel the impact, hopefully won't feel the impact. That's the goal is to really minimize how much they see these budget cuts. Um, I guess what would you say to you know, parents or, or students, you know, high school students maybe listening, um, about what school will look like next year? I mean, it's going to be kind of almost business as usual as far as they're concerned. Right? It will. I would say really for our elementary students, intermediate, they're not going to notice anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, their elementary co-curve is going to look different. Yeah. They're going to see a STEAM element, which is going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, all of them, you know, we're creating some equality across all of our district or all of our campuses. And so, you know, standardization, I think, is important for a district our size. And so uh, we're creating that with our common elementary co-curve. I think at the at the high school, our students are probably going to feel it more mm-hmm. simply because instead of a modified block, we're going to a traditional block. Right. So you're going to have the four periods one day and then the four periods the next instead of that fixed. Um, other than that, though, their course offerings may look a little bit different, but it just means they have an opportunity to consider something different. Yeah. And um, But this is just where we are. Yeah. I wish, listen, I, I wish I could have stepped into this role and this was not the yeah. deal. But but now that I have, it's, it is my responsibility mm-hmm. to um, get our district in a place that is financially solvent. And things are going to look a little different, but kids are still going to have orchestra, they're still going to have band, mm-hmm. they're st- still going to have track and all the things. And we're going to take care of our, our students with high needs and, um, you know, dyslexia services will still be their GT. So yeah. we're going to take care of kids. That's awesome. That's what it's all about, really. You know, yeah, in, absolutely. In the as, as the kids, um, like we talked about, you know, employees are the ones that are probably feel more of it. I, I think obviously people's uh, positions are going to be impacted. What they're asked to do, uh, some people you'll be asked to do more here and there. Um, I guess what would you say to employees who are impacted by that? And employees who you know are going to be here next year are, you know, obviously dedicated to serving our students each and every day. Uh, what can they expect moving forward? I would just say the work is still the work. The work doesn't change. We're still educating students. We're taking care of kids, taking care of families. And listen, I I understand the impact that this is having on some of our employees. And I wish it were different. Mm -hmm. I really do. I have people that know me know that I have a tremendous amount of um, compassion and empathy. And this is not something that any of us would ever choose. But 
it's the reality of where we are. And it is our responsibility to be good stewards of our taxpayer money. And we can just cannot continue spending the way that we have, especially when we aren't getting any additional funds from the state. And so, you know, what I would say to our employees, keep taking care of kids, keep taking care of each other. The work that you do matters. It's the most important work. So nothing about this changes what our mission is. And so just keep at it. I'm going to keep at it. You're going to keep at it. And we're going to do we're going to do more with less. But but man, we have the smartest and most talented staff and employees here in Keller ISD. So I have 100% confidence we're going to be able to continue to do the great work. Yeah. I mean, Keller ISD has gone through ups and downs in the past. There's been challenging times in the past. Yeah. Uh, I've been here for a little bit now. Yes. <laughs> uh, one or two or three decades or four, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we won't count. But um, so there's always you know challenges. We've always overcome them. Like that's the great thing about Keller ISD is we've overcome these challenges. Uh, we're still Keller ISD. We're still educating kids and giving them exceptional opportunities. And I think that's uh, really important. Um, I like what you were talking about earlier, how – uh, education or public education specifically has kind of come under attack since the pandemic. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's a lot of negative rhetoric out there, but we still serve all of our students. We still open the doors for them every day. And like you said, are passionate. Um, yeah, uh, this is, this is an opportunity for us to expose a narrative about the work that we do and the positive impact that we have on society Mm -hmm and on our city and so this is our opportunity to to yes this is this was our obstacle and we have overcome it and look at we're still we're still in here we're still doing great things for kids yeah. and we're still going to advocate for kids too and advocate yes. yeah we're still talk to our state officials and um, you know try to convince them to um, to throw some of that 40 billion dollars uh, public education's way. Yeah, and yeah. so one thing I would say is, you know, our 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 community members need to keep up that advocacy. Yeah. So we've got that cave or savecellerisd.net. Mm-hmm. Keep keep going on there. Call your local legislators. Mm-hmm. It does make a difference. And just say, "Listen, I'm part of Keller ISD. This is what's happening. We need you guys to get after it." Yeah. Come on. And um that has to continue. That's not a one and done. And vote too. I mean, uh, vote, yes. you know, voting. You know, if it's if public education matters to you, you can you know, talk to your um, candidates for certain offices and talk to them and say, you know, where do you stand on public education? What are you going to do to to help schools out uh, in the situation? Absolutely. Yeah. Looking ahead, uh, what kind of makes you hopeful for the future of Keller ISD, and you know, where do you see us going in the next two, three, four, five years? Well, we're going to see some, I just like to call them fruits that are going to be born out of this hard work right now. And I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's going to be really good. And so I think we're going to be able to look back on this and say, okay, yeah, that was tough, but look what came out of it. Because you hear me say this all the time, scarcity drives creativity. And, um, I see this collaboration in this level of communication that we haven't had in a while, and there's an energy to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know what? I, I don't know. I wish I knew what the, the future held. I know we're still going to continue to be a destination for excellence, and we're going to continue to show up for kids. 
I know that for certain. But I, th- I think what we see as a result of all this is going to be pretty cool. So I guess that'll be the next podcast. Exactly. We'll, we'll cover that <laughs> in the future. I need to get, we need to get you hosting soon. We got to get rid of this inter- in the interim title and we need to come up with a Dr. Johnson podcast. That's next goal for us, I think, in our department. Okay, gonna, let's do it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. Well, thank you for take, uh, obviously taking the time to sit down and talk with me today, but to, for taking on the role too. I know it's a, a big responsibility, obviously in the situation we're in especially, but I know from internally it was good that the, we, we were encouraged that the board went with an internal candidate and somebody who um, knows this place, knows it well, uh, feels the, the pains that we feel with uh, the current budget situation. Uh, and we appreciate all the work you've done so far. So, so thank you. No, oh, thank you. This was fun. Next time. All right. A very special thank you to Dr. Johnson for taking the time to visit with Bryce. She's certainly very busy these days, so we do appreciate her um, taking the time to sit down with us. She has definitely hit the ground running. I'm so glad, though, that we were able to give everyone the opportunity to share some more about herself and her plans for leading the district. I, uh, I really appreciate her candor, especially about uh, all, all the budget challenges the district's currently facing. It's mm-hmm. not an easy situation at all. I think everyone understands that. And uh, I think she just approached it with care and intentionality and, and really just kind of put herself out there and, and kind of being the leader uh, of all these um, changes. Absolutely. I love her educational background as well. She's clearly worn many hats. She has a vast understanding of all aspects of school district operations. And she really just has a love for this district and serving others. As a parent, I appreciate how much she's been talking about uh, the staying, keeping the focus on students because mm-hmm. that's really what's uh, most important to all of us. And uh, as an employee, I appreciate that as well. But also just that she spent so much time at different levels of uh, school district operations. She's been in the classroom, campus right. administration, district administration, and, and now superintendent. So she just really brings that unique experience uh, to the role. So, Agree. Um, you know, things are really hard right now and it's a, it's a tough time for sure, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the future of the district. I am um, too. Yeah. With that, that's our first episode of Keller ISD in the interim for 2024. Uh, except that we're no longer actually in the interim, Bryce. Sounds like Dr. Johnson may want to take a stab at your hosting duties. And you know, the sooner the better, probably. Good point. So stay <laughs> tuned to find out uh, how we can make that happen. Uh, and once again, thank you to Dr. Johnson for joining us. In the meantime, you can keep up with all the great things going on in Keller ISD by following us on social media at Keller ISD on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Keller ISD. You can find links to all of those in our show notes as well. You can also subscribe to our Keller ISD podcast channel to get all of the latest episodes. And if you want to rate us five stars or give (laughs) us a positive review, we won't mind. That's fine. Not at all. Uh, Either way, we hope you join us again for another episode. Until next time, hashtag Hashtag celebrate celebrate KISD. KISD. Thank you.